there are things that are fundamentally different from an economic perspective for this year's State of the Nation address than existed last year. And one of the crucial issues, of course, is that the currency has deteriorated considerably in value. So State of the Nation game changes for 2014 from Mark Ashton, who's editor at Finweek. And the currency depreciation is really at the centre, Mark Ashton, of so much of, or so many of the headwinds that the president will be facing when he speaks tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Bruce, I think there are a couple of things to look at. One is is what is happening internally in South Africa. And I think that that is, is what the businesses in are feeling. I think you know. I think we got th- we, we we look at a couple of aspects. So we we look at our stock market, and, and I think we saw it up one and a half percent today. It feels like geez, we actually feel rich. Things are going around record levels. It's all these fun things, but fundamentally, you look around. We saw the the trading updates out of JD Group. Um, Spa's going nowhere in terms of their of their of their turnover. Talking to companies, they just don't feel very confident about no. it, and you kind of you have this total disconnect between what the currency is doing to the stock market in terms of our rand hedges dragging that up, dragging up the, the 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 share prices, and what's happening at an operating level. And at some point, that disconnect really you start to feel it. And I think you, what we've seen with the rand, I think we've got to sort of look at what's happening like Turkey and that kind of thing, where the emerging market currencies are just getting bashed. I think you can't take it, what's happened in the last two weeks and simply say, this is state of the currency. No, absolutely. We're not in isolation, but our state of the nation address is our state of the nation address. And whether it's affecting Turkey, whether it's affecting Kazakhstan, really doesn't matter to ordinary South Africans. It's about the impact it has on me and the impact on my ability to put food on the table for my family. Sure, but I think then you've got to look at it and you've got to look at what happened with the Reserve Bank last week where suddenly there was panic and you know when consensus among I think it was 26 economists said there was no change in the rate hike and we can joke about that reality was plan was set 26 economists when polled said there was not going to be a rate hike suddenly something happens overnight panic in the overnight in in the international markets and suddenly we have a what what appears to be a knee-jerk reaction based on the guidance that's been given to us what you want to see tomorrow night is you don't want to see knee-jerk reactions you want to say there was always a plan in place we acknowledge what's happening internationally here is the state of the nation as it's going right now here is our plan for the year uh, but against that backdrop we got i mean and stats SA tells us that the jobs were created in south africa last year ad corps employment service tell us that jobs have not been created um you just look at our sense of what is happening in the south african economy and the deterioration in the jobs market at all levels. Um, we've seen companies like Anglo Gold slashing management levels, for example. Ordinary workers have suffered as well. Um, the jobs market is a tough place. And um, suddenly, if somebody comes to you spewing rhetoric, appealing sounding rhetoric, your vote starts to become a little bit more flexible than it might once have been. So again, we were, we were talking around the office yesterday, Barclays Group Africa, the old ABSA, puts out an announcement that they're declaring special dividends, profits are pumping. A lot of that obviously going back to Barclays Group, the parent in, in the UK. Same day Barclays comes out with an announcement, gee, we're probably going to cut about 10,000 jobs in the next year. It's talking to exactly that disconnect that's happening. Mm. You need to, and I think if you even just look in your social circle, ask around a dinner table, people are worried about their jobs. There's no job security. And I think that what, you know, companies don't have that confidence at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised if this trend carries on. The, the This trend that we've seen in the first month of the year where we're not going to be adding a hell of a lot of jobs, particularly going into the elections. Yeah, which then makes the State of the Nation a very difficult speech to construct. I was talking to a guy who used to write um, Tabo Mbeki speeches, and I said to him, what is it about writing the president's speech? 
do you lie um, or do you simply embellish the truth? Do you? How do you devise? He says, you've got to reflect the reality. And South Africans are not stupid. Those who bother to tune into the State of the Nation address know there's a problem. What they're looking for is a sense of optimism, a sense of hope uh, to come through. We haven't been filled with that in recent State of the Nation addresses. Yeah, and I, and I think what frustrates South Africans at the moment, and I know this is just a flashpoint that we've looked at today, but we have became totally infatuated with the idea that the DA is going to march on the Thule House, ANC is kind of lining up there, and we, we kind of have this like morbid curiosity that we can see ourselves walking into an absolute chaotic situation, and you have Jesse Duarte coming out and saying street rules apply. I have no idea what street rules apply, <laughs> but street rules apply is the comment that gets reported in the media absolutely and, and, and it, it gives us guidance that actually you know, we're more interested in politicking than we are in terms of coming up with a plan all South Africans want at the moment is a plan yeah. and if you give us a plan and you say you know what things are probably not great at the moment we'll come up with some plan aim at it but we have the national development plan and I bet you Jacob Zuma will mention the national development plan tomorrow night seven or eight times he'll then mention Ibrahim Patel's plan twice um, and then it'll be analysed to death and you'll say we're still on the path of the NDP whether or not there's political will within the enormous structures of government to actually take this national development plan and turn it into some kind of economic reality. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think everyone's getting... Everyone's a large chunk of corporates in Africa has said, great, we have a plan. NDP, win or lose, there, 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 are a couple, there, there are pros and cons to it. We buy into it. We let, let's go with it because this gives us something to aim at. Mm. I think where you're starting to find that the disconnect, though, is amongst the, the, the politicking which comes back into it. And, you know, like, it's, again, silly example, but we, we saw the Labour minister in the UK hired an illegal immigrant, stepped down a moment they took any kind of criticism. Yeah. We have this situation where we sit there and we look at at, at what is perceived as corruption and we say just somebody has done something wrong but there is no accountability and we want to see a president that stands up there and says you know what there are things that are wrong we accept that we all acknowledge that but I want to say here's an, here's what's going to happen if something goes wrong I want to know that I, I, here is an action that I'm going to be held accountable to yeah. and at the moment that's not being felt yeah, and the trouble is that a lot of people are really cynical about a president who stands up and comes out strongly against corruption because there is a perception rightly or wrongly that um, our, our president has a very nice big comfortable home with a very nice fire pool um, and some very nice thatch roofs um, that South African taxpayers have paid for rightly or wrongly that is the perception that is yet to be dispelled and that's where the leadership side of it comes into, and that's why I come back to the comments that were you know, reported from Jesse Duarte. You know, we had we had the police minister sitting inside Lutuli House at a time when the situation should have been diffused, and rather we're playing, politi playing politics yeah. and saying I stand I stand on the ANC side. Um, political protests, and now th this is interesting because what we're seeing is, we well, call them political protests, call them service delivery protests, perhaps that is a better way of doing it. And I find it very hard to believe that there's this miraculous confluence of, of sudden municipal service delivery collapse in the three months before an election, uh, that suddenly there are 500 parts of South Africa, which last year were fine, but this year suddenly everybody's really crossed at the same time. There does feel like a bit of political instigation in uh, places that are vulnerable to being instigated in. Sure, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, I wrote a column recently and I use the example, I drive down First Avenue, Linden, every morning to take my child to work and there's a single traffic light that's out. Because you said your child to work? Sorry, take, I, I take my child to school on the way to work. You're, you're more vicious than I thought. You've got to yeah. sweat the assets. But yeah, absolutely. And so we're going down the single road, but 
stops everybody on their way to work every morning for 45 minutes and it's just we've just seemed to have accepted this and and but the frustration is just creeping in and mm-hmm. you can see it happening and i think that where we've been able to cover it up is we've been able to say great we, we we're making promises we've promised we've promised we've promised and what's happening now is that people are saying yes but you came with this line last year you came with it four years ago and I don't have it, and I want somebody to give me what you've promised me now. Yeah, and that, and that is going to be played out in the ballot box. It'd be really interesting to see whether or not that frustration translates into a, a change of, of of the support base of our current political parties. Administered prices. Now, here's Jacob Zuma, who's facing a public rebellion. Ordinary, normally law-abiding citizens um, are saying, you know, this ETOS thing. It's just a step too far in the context of the broader corruption picture, the broader political picture that we're looking at. You know what? And they're welcome to send me a bill. And you know what? I'll even pay that bill when the when the when the pressure is turned on legally. I will do it. But you know what? You you want me to make it easy for you? I don't think so. Um, and, and and the level of administered prices, whether it comes through fuel or whether it comes through e tolls or whether it comes through higher electricity prices and airport taxes and everything else that you pay for for the privilege of using fabulous infrastructure, people again there are drawing a line. Yeah, I think that this is becoming a situation where you'll go and you will say, "All right, great, I've incurred an e tolls for you. We, we we've looked at flying before. The cost of flying has gone through the roof in the, over the last two years. It's expensive to do anything in this country at the moment. And you know, Mike Schuster has been doing a lot of um, talk around how our salaries shape up relative to the rest of the world as an economist. And you know, we're relatively well paid in the in in the broader scheme of things. But when you go and you say, but what am I taking home? I'm not taking home. And where you thought you had a little bit of fat, it doesn't exist anymore. And I think that that is where people are getting frustrated because they're saying there's just nothing left to give. And we've been threatening this for the last two years. You're going to break the middle class taxpayer who is law abiding, who doesn't burn down things, doesn't go on strike when things don't go their way. They carry on doing it. And unfortunately, they've just reached the point where there's nothing left to give. Yeah. Uh, And then you add into the mix the possibility of inflation. Um, We have a high inflation rate. We used to have fairly high inflation in South Africa. But Joe Marcus warned us last week that inflation, uh, their projections are to go north of 6% once again. And the biggest bugbear there are the issues that affect the back pockets of South Africans most. It's the cost of where they live, it's the cost of how they get to work, and it's the cost of the food they put on the table every day. Those are the three biggest costs in every single South African household, and that's where the cost of living is rising fastest. Sure. And I was listening to Jill Marcus when she made the right announcement, and you almost got the sense that she felt frustrated by this, the, the, the infatuation with the, with the Reserve Bank mandate around inflation, because they, they talked to the sort of 6% um, t- the top end of their, their bracket, but <coughs> excuse me, but it's it, that's not what people are feeling on the on the ground. They're not feeling it in their wallets. They're not saying. I go yeah, again. We go Chris Burke and the, the ETM. Analytics I was going, going to say ETM analytics went did, did just random shopping of chicken, for sure. example, and saw price increases over a period of months of thirty five percent. And and the thing is, what's happening? It's this vicious cycle because businesses are, are way ahead of the curve. And they're saying, I know what's coming. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to get ahead of the game because I don't want to be the guy that's caught out down the line. I don't want to worry about currency fluctuations. I don't want to worry about consumers who can't pay their bills. I want to, I'm going to get ahead of the game and I'm going to raise those prices and I'm going to push them on 
as, as much as possible. And that's what's happening. We're just stuck in the cycle of zero confidence. And while we're in a cycle of zero confidence, prices are going to rise faster than you can keep, than a consumer can keep pace with. And those are State of the Nation game changers for 2014. If you're a speechwriter for President Jacob Zuma and you haven't included all of those and more in the State of the Nation address, you have got to sharpen your pencil and get that script changed. The currency, job deterioration, political protests, administered price increases, and the big dirty inflation word as well. Mark Ashton, the editor at Finweek. Thank you very much.